Hello and welcome to episode 168 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I am Anthony Malakian, uh, editor of Waters Technology, and today we are joined by Julie Lerner, the founder and CEO of Pan Exchange. Julie, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So uh, we're recording this. We're going to release this next week, um, but um, on August 1st, Pan Exchange launched uh, the first industrial grade industrial hemp exchange. And the idea is uh, to cash market for industrial hemp production, and it will help to pave the way uh, for the creation of hemp derivatives contracts. Yeah. That, I guess, is in a nutshell, but maybe just to start off with, for those that aren't familiar with Pan Exchange, a little bit about the company and the market that you serve. Sure, thank you. So, Pan Exchange is an institutional grade. Uh, over-the-counter marketplace for the pricing for the negotiation and trade of physical commodities. So our client base uh, in agriculture, it's farmers, it's processors, it's millers in in other industries, it's mining, it's built to scale, which I'm happy to get into at another point why that's super important. Um, And so we're bringing transparency to the market with the benchmark prices and efficiency to the market with the trading and and especially in hemp we can talk a lot about about the market structure we bring Mm -hmm. uh our proof of concept market was in east africa Mm -hmm. um we were hired there to just prove it out and we thought if we just get a dozen farmers and millers for a few months in corn and a little bit of wheat we'll be successful and now august is four years we've been live Mm -hmm. and we have offices in kenya and uganda okay here in the u.s we launched propent market in q4 of 2016. okay that is the 120 million ton uh, specialty sand market that's required um, for the extraction of oil and gas here in the U.S. Okay. So that was October. We launched the platform within two months. We launched the benchmark prices, and uh, we are now the de facto price points, a suite of price points, if you will, yeah. uh, in, in that market and the, the only online trading platform. So... As I understand it, maybe walk me through this a little bit, because uh, you know I usually write about technology, so this isn't obviously an area of mm-hmm. expertise for me, but I think that people will be interested about this. Um, as I understand it, about a year ago, the Farm Bill was uh, signed, mm-hmm. and this has really led to you know kind of this boom uh, around uh, hemp. And as I understand it, I was reading a Forbes article that um, in 2018, the amount of licensed industrial hemp acres uh, increased threefold across 23 states, um, and they expect that to keep on growing. And just for those that don't know, as I understand as well, uh, hemp can be used for building, plastics, food, um, skin products, pain relievers, a wide ra- a range of things. Maybe walk our audience through a little bit about where the hemp market is right now and how this exchange will help um, uh, farmers, traders to, um, to, to, to deal in this commodity? Sure. So I think hemp is going to be uh, a, a very key crop in United States agriculture in the long run. Today, all the excitement is about CBD products. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the market that we are addressing first um, in, in both the benchmarking and, and the pricing. Mm-hmm. And that is biomass, isolate, distillate, crude oil, uh, these, these raw materials required for the tinctures and the ointments and so forth. Okay. Um, that just scratches the surface of the utility of this, of this sure. 
weed. Let's call it. I mean, excuse the pun. It's a weed. Um, yeah. But the, it can. It has so many industrial uses. It used to be used for rope in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be used for clothing, for paper, hempcrete. Mm-hmm. And uh, and plastics as well, and I think that it's going to be a key component in feed ingredients as well. So we are poised, as I'd mentioned before, we can scale and take this market in any direction. Mm-hmm. And um, CBD's uh, components are just the beginning of that. Yeah. So what we're bringing to the market first is, and by the way, it actually it's far less than a year, just before Christmas in 2018, this bill oh, okay. passed. And uh, I've got to give a so shout this is out. Still early days, then. Very early days, and I have to give a shout out to my team uh, for launching the suite of benchmark prices by January. Yeah. Uh, so that was step one for us, and of course we had the technology, but the the actual marketplace wasn't quite ready. Yeah. We had to do a lot of um, a lot of market structure. Uh, new procedures that we didn't need in any other market, given that there's no track history of any of the players in this market. Mm-hmm. So within three months of this benchmark price, we're getting calls from investors saying, I've seen your prices in, in pitch decks, and we want to know who you are. Um, and and we understand how important these prices are in a market where nobody knows where it's trading. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to both the entrepreneurs and the investors, you know, is it, does this business even make sense for me? Is it a build or buy decision for me? Mm-hmm. Um, so so we, we vet our price participants very, very carefully on that. And again, that was only three months in that, that we started that. This trading platform, I don't, uh, I've never been so welcomed into an industry before. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, we came at this and we're like, hey guys, not only are we commodity specialists, but we've got this. We just did this in Fraxan, which was also a nascent market. Mm-hmm. And so these are the, you know, we can go at it and say, these are some of the things that you all need. And um, so for example, there's no credit history for, mm-hmm. these, for these players. Um, how do you vet clients with no, no credit report? Uh, so we had to implement a procedure for that. Um, wh- how do you define biomass and crude oil, and what does need to be negotiated? What can be standardized? What's not standardized? So all of those things we had to get in place before today's launch. Okay. The market as a whole, there are some lofty projections for how it will grow. Like you said, this is still very, very early days. Mm-hmm. What are your projections for this market? How do you? What are kind of the benchmarks that you're kind of setting right now as you go about this? If that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it does. Um, and w- you just cannot put an accurate number on it today. Yeah. Um, so what we've done is uh, many people have just taken the, the uh, acres licensed and uh, projected the optimized yield and then put various price points attached to that. And you can get to a very, very large number. I don't know if that's relevant or not. What we've done is taken uh, acres licensed and then gone with the realistic assessment that this crop is entirely new to many farmers. It's a new crop to veteran farmers. There's new equipment, new harvesting ways. Things are not going to go entirely smoothly yeah. here. So we've taken 30% of that, and and I th- uh, we think it's just over. Uh, let, let's just let's just put a number on one phase of this cycle just to give you an idea of what we're talking about so if we come out with say 412 million pounds of biomass so that's right off the field Mm -hmm. um we think that that's that sector alone is worth 12 billion and that is super conservative okay 
So then, and then you've got you the the crude oil component and the isolate, and then the retail value of these CBD products is, as you know, quite expensive in the yeah. store shelves. Is most of this traded in the U.S. Because, like, like for example, I know that like soybean farmers have been hit hard by this trade mm-hmm. war uh, because so much of their production goes to China. Um, it, for something for a product like this, it, where is maybe the 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 main market for it? I guess. CBD is is shipped and used around the globe, and and there is a lot of it in China as well. Um, it's it's been legal in Canada far before we did it, mm-hmm. um, or hemp. I, I mean, more specifically, is legal. Yeah. You need to be careful with this crop because it's extremely absorbent, and it will, for better and worse, it'll take everything out of that soil, including metals. Oh really? Yeah, you want to be very careful where your products come this from. This is where you're talking about. It's not going to go as smoothly, maybe as some people predict. Yes. I, there's a lot of different uh, things about this crop than more traditional, I guess. Perhaps. There's a lot that could go wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Again, and that, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So hemp itself is not trading internationally, um, but I think it will. Okay. And so in January, as you mentioned before, um, you launched a, a, a hemp price reporting facility. Mm-hmm. You guys uh, just at the beginning of August here launched this exchange. Take us maybe looking at um, derivatives, derivatives mm-hmm. contracts. Um from what you've seen, what is the interest around hemp futures, and how does you know your, this platform fit into that? Sure. So, in my opinion, when you look at successful futures contracts in commodities, they have a very robust physical underlying cash market, which is what Pan Exchange does, um, and those people are hedging their price risk in in the markets. I mean, it's it's amazing to me that the Chicago Board of Trade was founded, in, I think, in the 1860s for wheat farmers and buyers to hedge their forward price risk. Mm-hmm. And today, it's still the place to go to hedge your price risk. Mm-hmm. We don't have that yet in hemp. And we do hope that our benchmark prices will serve as that financial settlement for new hemp contracts mm-hmm. because our, our people need to hedge and outside investors are looking for a vehicle. Okay. as well. And I think there'll be more than one hemp contract, like soybeans and soybean meal, for example. Okay. And looking at, you know, the commodity market, and then specifically around this, compared to with, you know, equities or something like that, what are some of the, the main differences that might surprise some people in trading these kind of contracts, in these kind of futures? Mm-hmm. In, the, in, in our market, in yeah. the OTC market, yeah. um, I actually love that question because we, we are saying that we're an institutional-grade platform. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is that whether it's hemp or grains or energy products, um, most of our competitors, if not all, really at the end of the day, it's bulletin boards. It's a photo that might be a stock photo, might be their crop can't really tell mm-hmm. um, and it's a it's a bullet like a like a Craigslist advertisement saying here here is my my hemp mm-hmm. uh, this is the quality and this is the price I'm offering so I call it bulletin board because in a sense it's take it or leave it really? the reality in physical markets if you want to add value as an as an electronic exchange you have to understand that physicals trade more in a series of one-offs there's no depth of field, mm-hmm. you, and and our our platform is a true negotiation of every single aspect of the trade because it all affects the price. 
you know, what is the quality? What is the CBD content when you're talking about hemp? Um, what are you, first of all, do you want to come get it at my farm gate or do you actually want me to come deliver it to you and by truck or by rail or how do you want this? Yeah. What is the delivery window? And the, both the window itself and the length of the window delivery window is negotiable. Uh, how do you want to pay for it mm-hmm. is another one. So it is a true anonymous back and forth between the two participants. And we also have uh, a, a credit risk management f- uh, facility as well and counterparty management because no matter which physical market you're talking about, these markets are too thin to, to be able to handle the, the cost of clearing and the regulatory aspect that comes with it. Okay. You know, just something that you talked about and it kind of just raised in my head, but it might be a stupid question. I'm full of them. Um, is around alternative data, the commodities market, you see satellite providers are, you know, selling this information around yields, crops, mm-hmm. oil, you know, production, stuff like that. Do you th- see there being, uh, do you think that as this, as this grows as a commodity, that data vendors will kind of try and look to figure out ways to improve this process to to provide more clarity around you know these issues that you say already exist around you know this bulletin board that you were saying a kind of Mm -hmm. product i guess i sure hope so and they in the more mature commodities it it takes a long time to change habits Mm Um, you know, we used to joke about the adage that, that even if it is broke, don't fix it. Um, and, and that's why Fraxan and hemp in these markets are so refreshing for us. People don't want to be on the phone anymore. Yeah. Um, there's incredible technology to squeeze out yield now. Um, what really needs to happen in this market is, is things like pan exchange to address the lunacy of, of how fragmented this market is. I mean, the genesis of the company was, was that, I was trying to figure out a more efficient way to just figure out what prices were yeah. and, and what is it in Brazil versus Thailand to, to fill my sale over in Dubai. And then you call your freight brokers and then two, three hours later you figure out, okay, well, you know what? The first guy I talked to in Brazil had the best price and you call him up and you realize he never really had it or <sighs> it's gone, right? So, so let's get everyone in one place for sure. instant market access, instant price discovery. But... As much as I, I, I want the trade to move and, ad- and adopt this as quickly as possible, that's actually one-third, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the technology on the farm, there's our technology for the negotiation, and then there's the post-trade technology. And, and, and agriculture commodities are so far behind financial markets. Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, we don't even have one document that's digitized. Okay. So if you, for example, are, are loading a, a vessel of wheat in New Orleans, you, you as the seller are shoving a, over a dozen different paper documents into a manila envelope and fe- FedExing it. Mm-hmm. So, which is why I think when people say they're going to put the supply chain on the blockchain is sure. um, entertaining. Well, and so that's because <laughs> the other thing, because so first you t- it tipped off the alternative data idea in my head. And then, yeah. you know, you talk about um, how do you want to pay for this, uh, you know, that uh, not, this anonymous process blockchain it's it's the proverbial uh, hammer looking for a nail and everybody yes. thinks that blockchain can cure everything mm-hmm. you know as anybody listening to this podcast regularly knows that i'm not the biggest fan of the technology i would imagine there are some people in this industry that are touting the benefits that blockchain would be able to provide for it what are your thoughts there's no way not yeah. in the next decade we again we don't have one document that's online yeah I would say two of the biggest obstacles uh, obstacles we have right now. 
you cannot identity preserve bulk commodities. And so even if you were to take your bushel of wheat or your, um, or, or your sample of hemp, you can't identity preserve it all the way to the end. And you, it may fail just in the beginning where you take your best to, to the lab test. You take that lab test to, to, the, to go get on the blockchain, however they, they even want to do that, and you can swap it out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and then when you go to process it, 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 it it's a bulk process. Yeah. You can't tag it. There's no bioidentification on that. Another huge issue when you're talking in international commodities is that the, the destination buyers still need to have those paper certificates of origin with the stamps on it. Mm-hmm. Technology can't fix that today. Yeah. Um, so those are just two examples of why I am not bullish on blockchain in the future. But I think in order for us to do that, we need to first start addressing the, the digitization of the post-trade process. So, that's, that, so that would be kind of, the, if you had to, you know, you take over a czar of this, first thing to address is that first baby step to be taken is just general digitization of the process. Yes. Okay. Document by document. Okay. You can't, I mean, to put, to say you're going to put an entire physical commodity on on a blockchain actually doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Are you putting the bill of lading on? Are you putting the payment terms on? Are you putting the certificate of, of origin on? You know, what, what I think people, it's kind of like, you know, in the old days when they said the Facebook, first of all, I think we will drop the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you and I probably should right now. Yeah. Um, but the World Wide Web, you know. The, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the blockchain. Um, so what are you putting on blockchain? Yeah. You know, and, and let's just pick one document and prove that we can do that internationally first. I would imagine that one of the interesting things, and maybe this fits in t- with our audience uh, or the, the more traditional waters technology audience, is that with the farm bill passing with with this now new endeavor mm-hmm. kind of that's going to grow and grow and grow you're going to have data providers that are going to be able to come in and find new ground you know green you know green field so to speak and also um this idea around digitization vendors that can kind of come in and improve this process i mm-hmm. would with any new market i would guess that's very very just word of mouth otc driven that's where you always want to see technology come in, but it's just going to take some time, it sounds like, mm-hmm. for that to, to shape out. Is that fair enough to say? Well, I think hemp is a great place to start. And, you know, kind of like the snowboarding industry got the complacent ski industry off its fanny to go go innovate and change this stuff. I think hemp will do that for, I hope that hemp does that for the rest of U.S. ags. Mm-hmm. We have a client already who does have, and again, I'm not the expert here, but seemingly good use case on blockchain, but because there, it's a the isolate is the most pure form you can get for a retail product. Mm-hmm. Um, they put it in a canister and they can seal it. That's identity preserved, okay. and that they're putting on the blockchain. So on sorry, blockchain. Um, <laughs> so um, so that's a, that's a decent use case, and I I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes for them. Okay, and then you know just maybe one thing that I'm always interested in is. The farmers in this industry, the Mm -hmm. people that are doing this, you talked about just some of the challenges that they're going to face as far as crop production and just how this crop is different than others. Mm -hmm. What are some other issues that farmers in this industry face that maybe is different from other other types of commodities and those farmers there? Well, this year in particular, there's a lot of problems. So... 
First of all, the plant is identical to cannabis, Mm -hmm. identical by smell, by sight. Uh, And one of our clients, uh, it it went national news. One of his trucks was pulled over (laughs) and uh, his guys were thrown in jail. (laughs) <laughs> and this little this little town thought they had the biggest drug bust yeah. of the history. It's like eighteen thousand pounds and like, like the movie of Super weed. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like no, it's hemp. We yeah. swear it's hemp. Um, so so that's one problem is the, is the distribution of it. Um, so another problem is we d- there have been people legally and illegally right go- yeah. growing this crop for a few years, mm-hmm. not on this scale. So everything is new here. Some of the farmers are new, um, and but even if they're experienced farmers, to grow it on a you know at a commercial scale, it is it is new technology. It is new equipment, um, and then the you know the distribution and cutting. It's not going to be finessed yeah. in this first year. Yeah. So it, growing pains is what it's going to be. Is the the harvesting of hemp substantially different than? Truly, I, now I'm way out of my depth when we're yeah. talking about farming. But um, is it very, very manually intensive, the way guava or something like that is? Or is there machines that can more efficiently do this, I guess? There are machines. Okay. But we may have reached the outer limit of my harvesting knowledge on that. So. <laughs> okay. And then uh, one other thing I would just like to hear about um, while I have you here um, is... You've been at um, a Pan Exchange eight years now. Yep. Founding an exchange, starting something up from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Looking back, what are some of the growing pains that you experienced? And maybe what are, you know, if you had to give advice to somebody else that would go down this path, mm-hmm. um, maybe some of the lessons learned along the way. Oh, my gosh. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I know you got a flight to catch at some yeah. point and got other meetings. But, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, there's been a few, it's been very bumpy. Uh, it's been a bumpy road. One thing that I've learned, for example, is, is that this business model doesn't fit venture capital. Mm-hmm. And for, for a few reasons, one, the, they want to be hands-on investors and they don't understand my underlying commodity business. So how can they fund us? The other is that very rationally, they have their, their own uh, prerequisites. They are either energy investors or agricultural investors or fintech investors. And I said, hey, we're all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't fit that mold. Um, I learned that you can't push water up a hill, mm-hmm. not for very long. Um, and so if y- you think you have a key hire that you absolutely have to have and it's becoming a hard sell, drop it. Yeah. Don't ever beg. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, I, I always, I have a f- few rules that I live by as a, as a CEO. I think my main job is to sell the vision and not run out of money. Mm-hmm. That's a good call. <laughs> I tell my tech team that we're building the, the RAV4, not the Tesla. Mm-hmm. And I tell my marketing team that hope is not a strategy. Okay. Very good. Well, Julie, this was fascinating. It's a, it was a different conversation than we're, than we're used to having here on uh, the Wavelength Podcast, but I, I thought it was very uh, fascinating. Uh, so thanks so much uh, for coming in. Um, I know that you uh, have our meetings and have a, a flight down to uh, Miami for a conference coming up. Yeah. So, uh, but thanks for your time today. Thank you so much. <laughs>